Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. I'm Kristen Kelp, and I'm Being Boss. Hey guys, today we are talking with Kristen Kelp about being who you are and showing up in your business. This is such a good one for those of you who are needing a little bit of pep talk and need a little bit more encouragement to show up. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. All right, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it can be really awkward asking your clients to pay you. And this is why I love FreshBooks Cloud Accounting so much. One, it makes it less personal. It makes it feel like you have your own accountant sending out invoices and they're super professional. You're going to feel completely confident sending your clients invoices. But also what's really awesome about it is that FreshBooks helps you avoid having that awkward talk with your client about past due payments. You can automate late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time time working your magic and doing what you do best. And you guys, if you have any questions whatsoever, FreshBooks has award-winning customer service. It's amazingly helpful, super friendly, and zero attitude. Plus, a real live person usually answers in three rings or less. So if you've been wanting to try out FreshBooks, I want to offer it to you today for free, a 30-day unrestricted free trial just for our Being Boss listeners. To claim it, go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, Kristen, thank you so much for joining our show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. All right. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What what work do you do? Um, right now, I do work kind of helping people into their own hearts and minds um, with poetry and books and uh business coaching that's more like life coaching but not in the in the the horrible way where I imply that I know things about life I'm like so um finding your finding yourself through the lens of business is probably the best way to put it at this point in the game I feel like whenever you get to into the business realm that we're all in life coaching and business coaching is basically the same thing or there's such an overlap between the two where we're putting so much of ourselves into our work that for you to coach one, you're definitely going to be coaching the other. So totally understanding that overlap there. Yeah. People are like, well, I have $100,000 in debt and my marriage is failing, but I don't talk about that. I just want to talk about my business. And I was like, no. Yeah, that's actually exactly why I got life coaching certification through Martha Beck was because at the end of a brand platform where I'm showing someone their new logo identity and messaging and positioning, they would say things like, okay, but I'm getting a divorce next week. What does that mean for my brand? (laughs) And I felt very ill-equipped to handle those conversations. I guess that's not true. I didn't have the confidence that certification gave me. Um, So, you know, even after going through the process, I realized, oh, it's just a conversation. It's just asking really great questions. Um, But it definitely gave me a few extra tools that were really great. Okay, so tell us how you got to where you are. What's your creative entrepreneurial path been like? Um, It's been like a zigzag hit by a lightning strike, I think. It's a a situation. Uh, About nine years ago, I guess it was, um, I have degrees in education and English, and I was teaching special education. 
And that was every bit as um, draining and exhausting as you might imagine in your mind when you hear those things put together. And so I decided that I was going to go ahead and leave as quickly as I could by giving my two weeks notice. And I didn't have a job lined up and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I did have a portfolio of four by six prints from Target because I was doing photography, right? Total air quotes here. Um, so uh, I got a job doing photography. I got a job doing, um, like you stand here and I will take your photo and it will be very, um, very, there is, there is a formula. You like, it's, it's all very precise. Um, and I found out I was really good at it. I was really good at connecting with people. I was really good at selling to them and I got a lot better at selling to them. Um, and so I started to talk to other people. I started to write a blog to other people about this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm doing. This is what's working. This is what isn't working. And I had never learned a thing about marketing because why would you learn marketing when you're taking education classes? That's not a thing. So I was learning and sharing in real time. And that was the brand camp blog that lasted for seven years. Um, I would write twice a week and tell people this is what I did. This is what I'm learning. And it's all been an experiment. And then very recently, um, I switched over to my name cause I got too big for brand camp and making the, this one time a brand camp joke. Like it finally, finally outgrew it seven years <laughs> in. Like, <laughs> I don't know if really that joke will ever be fully played out. <laughs> it's up for debate, but I am done with it for now. That's all I can say. <laughs> okay. I want to dig in here real quick. There's a couple of things here. I think it's so cool that by sharing your story along the way of what you're learning and what you're experimenting with positions you as an expert in that thing. And that has been my experience. Um, so for you listeners out there who are learning something new, capture, shape, and share it somewhere because it will take you places. And obviously, it's taken you places, Kristen. I think what's really interesting is that your brand got too big, so you went to your name. And I'm seeing the opposite happen a lot, where people start out with their name, and then they feel like they're growing and getting too big for just their name. So they want something like, um, you know, something that's a little bit less attached to their own personal brand or own personal identity. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that shift for you, just as like a brand nerd myself. Sure. Um, I think it's because I realized that everything in me that was learning about business, like big quotes business, was um, that you need to have a team and then you have to outsource and then you have to have people and then you hire people and then it gets bigger and then there are more people. And everything in me is like screeching to a halt, screaming, no, 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 no. So um, I took on, I called it brand camp as a joke and then kept it because eventually I was going to have the team and the employees and the staff and the org charts and the, all the things. And then like, it just kept coming back to me being like, no, and no, and no. And it isn't that I don't want to get X people big or X following large. It's just that it's, if it's more than like me and a few people that I've hired and a really handy delivery man for pizza, like it's too big for me. Um, and it's too, it's too close to my heart to be, to give it a different name at this point. So it's not that I'm anti, I'm not, it's not a pro or anti. It's just a, um, for me and for what I want to do, it's the only thing that I think can hold me for the long term because it's held me this far. 
I feel like so many of our creatives can resonate with that idea where the idea of growing a business does come with some um, some preconceived notions of building big. And I know I found myself in this exact same place. And so as Kathleen with this idea of, you know, we're supposed to grow these big things, but that doesn't necessarily hit home for what we're all trying to build. Like we're not trying to build huge corporations with hundreds of employees, even though for so long that's been the blueprint that a business would follow. Um, But we find ourselves much more so wanting to build these very like close, tight-knit organizations that can do big things without tons of effort. Yeah, I found it's so fascinating that since I've switched, it's been about four months, um, my following, quote-unquote again, um, I've lost like thousands of email subscribers but um, income is higher than ever, which is such a fascinating, that's like, that's not how it's supposed to go, <laughs> according to the experts. Um, and I think it's because the game I'm playing isn't more, 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 it's deeper, deeper, deeper. Yes. I mean, obvi- like, obviously, that's a, that's what she said joke, but. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Good call. Um, I missed that one. Right? But the, the game of like, how can, how can we connect across time and space and, and where we are and how can we connect as humans is so much more interesting to me than the game of how can we make more money and get more followers and get more launch funnels funneling and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's where I'm choosing to kind of throw my cards and play the game. Oh, I love that. Do more with less, I think, is going to be a mantra for everyone in the coming decades. <laughs> I hope so. I hope. I hope. So give us, paint us a picture of what it looks like to work with you or maybe even what your dream client looks like before they work with you and after they work with you and how people actually are engaging in the work that you do. Sure. So I can tell you that my favorite, favorite thing in all the world is to work with people in person. Um, that as much as I would love for being on the phone to be the same as us breathing the same air, it's just not. And if I could have you in person, I would like hold you and squeeze you and we would talk for three hours and I would bring you champagne. Sadly, these things are not possible for you guys. So, um, so working with, but doesn't that sound right? right? (laughs) Snuggles and champagne is my favorite, right? I'm feeling that life for sure. Um, so I found as like as much as and again, I've only learned this by pushing for everything. I wanted everything to be online and scalable and huge. And like I had the six figure launch and it did nothing to my soul. And I was like, fuck, that's not how that was supposed to go. That was supposed to be the be all and end all. And it wasn't. Um, so workshops like tiny, tiny six month program with me is ship. It's six people. At the beginning of our three days together, you're probably closed off. You're probably a little bit numb. You probably a little bit to a lot hate your business. Um, you're probably really, really, really sensitive, and you've been told that that's a really bad thing for a very long time. In many cases, you're also an empath, meaning you can feel other people's feelings, and you have trouble distinguishing between these are my feelings, these are those feelings, and these, now there's another layer, are the feelings of the general populace post-Trump election, because there is a whole other layer at this point of just like, oh God. Um, So we come together and we explore all those things, and we talk about your business, and we vote a bunch of stuff off of your personal island, and we put a bunch of things onto your island. So if you have an org chart for how it's going to go eight years from now, we're probably going to be like, okay, burn that and start tomorrow. 
And what does that look like? Um, so it's kind of a way to fast forward the things that you would really like to have happen in the future someday. It's a time to bring that into now. And then I stay with you while you're in the now, which is inevitably hard and dark and painful and also beautiful and wonderful and magnificent. And they tend to be tied together. And I'm with you the whole way. And then we meet at the end again. I have two questions. One yes. is, when did you decide that you needed to break the mold in this way, where you were going to work with people the way you wanted to work with people, period, in the kind of business that you wanted to build, period? And two, how do your people react when you encourage them to do the same thing? <laughs> um, one was, I paid a butt ton of money to uh, an individual to do um, a giant mastermind group. And I did, like, under her tutelage, it was so amazing because I got all the things that I thought I wanted. Like, I was, like, following, doubled, six-figure launch, check. Like, just all the prestige was rained upon me. And it didn't do a thing for my heart and my soul and my gut. And it made me sad. And it didn't stop me from getting on the phone and crying about how I was in the wrong marriage and how I was going to therapy. And it, so, like the big be all and end all thing that costs a lot of money didn't actually work. And I was like, wait, I'm just going to have to do this the way that I feel like it should be done, which is smaller and closer and tighter. And it's not as scalable and it's not, it's not sexy to have six people at 4,500 bucks a piece. I'm supposed to charge 30 grand a piece minimum. Right. Um, so there's a part of me that's a rebel. That's a part of me that is just like, fuck the system. And then there's a part of me that had to go all the way into the system, understand it, master it, and be like, oh, that's still not the way that I want to do that. Um, and then there was a lot of anger that came out of, I wasted all that money and time. Um, I didn't. I just learned a lot about myself and how I work. And it's a lot easier for me to give people the parts that have really served me. Like the six-figure launch parts are still helpful, um, but they aren't the be all and end all of what I do. So that's, that's how I learned by going in and doing it the, the right, wrong way for me. And then I forget your second question entirely. Emily. No, I'm sorry. No, my perfect. You should. <laughs> that was a great answer. Uh, my second was how do the people that you coach through this process react whenever you encourage them to break the mold as well? Oh, it's horrifying and they don't want to do it ever. <laughs> Oh, I can only imagine (laughs) the email exchanges that happen between you. (laughs) Well, because it's so it's so hard because you know that you're going to have to feel everything and you're going to have to like the thing that you're trying to hide from me is the thing that I'm going to see and pull up and be like, well, take a look at this thing. And they're going to be like, no, anything but that thing. And I'm going to be like that. That's the thing then. Yeah. Um, And then we work through it and they understand that. Like some part of my genius is that I can help people feel safe really easily and really quickly. Um, And when people feel safe, they're willing to do the work without feeling like they're going to die, even though your heart pounds and your chest is tight and you're sure that you are going to die if you have to stand there and accept compliments for three minutes and then you don't die. Right. Like it's that's what happens. Love that. Good. So people might come into it being attracted to that six-figure launch. And there is, like, what is it specifically about the six-figure thing? And I feel like it's a trap that even we as hosts of Being Boss can start to fall into because I feel like, sure, we can talk about running a six-figure business and it gives you this clout and credibility, but we're also so much more interested in our hearts and our minds 
but we've also got to pay the bills and there's something to being profitable. Do you ever think about that balance and blend and how it all works together? All the time. Um, I figured out a long time ago that um, my trigger for people, like the Sally Hogshead trigger, how to fascinate, um, is rebellion. And so if I'm doing it the way everyone else is doing it, I'm inevitably going to find a way that doesn't that, that doesn't work that way for me anymore. I'm going to make it about breaking the system. Um, I think part of it is just that we teach everywhere all the time. It's, it's how to establish clout and how to show social proof and how to um, just – you know, basically appear vulnerable, but not actually be vulnerable. Um, And I've just found that to be really dull and boring and terrible. And like, if all you have to say about me is Kristen Kelp, who once had a six figure launch, then I have failed as a human and my soul hurts. Like that's, it's just (laughs) so terrible. So if there's nothing against it, I've done it and it's cool and I could probably do it again. It'd be great. But I just don't think that that's like the, that's a good place to start a conversation. That's not a good place to kind of focus all of our conversations. It's, it's sort of soulless and lifeless and meh. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) I know. Now I'm like rethinking my next six months. No, because I think that we've all proven, I mean, the three of us sitting here have proven ourselves to be very successful creatives who can launch. And we've all seen the other side of it. Or we, I think that at least the three of us have experienced that, oh, I got exactly what I thought that I wanted and it didn't change how I feel, you know, or it didn't change... It didn't change how easy or hard it is to run a business. It didn't make anything, you know, I mean, it all comes, Danielle Laporte talks a lot about core desired feelings. And I think that a lot of creative entrepreneurs go into business fantasizing about the six figures and not really fantasizing about how they want to feel. Emily, were you going to say something? Yeah, it brings up some uh, notorious B.I.G. for me with Mo Money, Mo Problems <laughs> is definitely been one thing that that has come up for me and not even like the money aspect, but but definitely as you do more, life doesn't get easier. It gets harder. It also reminds me of like raising a child where like as soon as they start sleeping all night, they'll start teething. And as soon as they're done teething, they'll start telling you no. And so like one problem will always only turn into another one which is all good and fine. It's the process and all of the things, but um, you have to choose which problems you want to have and the ones that you want to be okay with or you want to live with and deal with um, because every every success will come with a different set of problems. It's just which ones are going to make you okay with getting up in the morning. I think it's also like, though, that I guess I've been thinking about this lately, Emily, too, that mo money, mo problems yeah. kind of thing. And I've experienced this even with having like that social proof, having a bigger following means you're going to get bigger criticisms or, you know, anything like that. But at the same time, that kind of what you're talking about, Kristen, of being vulnerable versus saying you're vulnerable means that you're going to get criticism or I don't know. OK, so back to the mo money, mo problems thing, though. For me, where I feel conflicted about this is that we're also against the starving artist myth. You know what I mean? And so these are kind of in contrast to each other because I do want people to get paid and I don't want to believe that it's mo money, mo problems. I don't know. 
I'm like I'm I've been having I've been grappling this is something I've been grappling with a lot lately like is it mo money mo problems is it's it just, better it's, to be it's a starving mo money artist different like, problems which ones do you want to <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true right. yeah I've also found though that um I'm totally willing to take on the problems, the mo money mo problems, the different problems. Um, if it's a project that like lights me up all the way down to my core and my carotals, and if it doesn't, and I make the money, I'm like, oh my god, this was so not worth it. Even if it's more money, like I would rather make less money at a thing that lights me all the way up than make a shit ton of money at like, well, that was all right, I guess. Right. I completely agree with that. And that's like choosing your problems. So I guess it's even less about choosing your problems and more about choosing the environment of your problems. Like, where do you want to be to deal with these things or not? Um, And I feel like a lot of times whenever we're following the blueprints of moving forward and whatever blueprint that may be for whatever outcome it is that you think that you desire, um, whenever we start blindly following those things, we lose sight of the environment, of the feelings that you feel along the way. And you're you're checking off the boxes or you're addressing the issues as they come up, but you get lost somewhere. And so I think whenever you start following those like those like six figure models or, you know, how to grow your list to 10,000 or whatever it may be, you know, you are just checking off the boxes and probably not checking in with yourself near as often as you should be. Yeah, because there's so much to be said for um, this feels horrible. <laughs> like, this, is, this is no, or like yeah. you're you're clicking on something and then your whole body just moves away from the screen and you're like, this is fine, this is fine. I'm, this is great. I love this and like it's not great. Like your whole body is trying to like attach to the wall behind you so that you are far from this. Um, I don't think that we pay att- enough attention to our bodies and to the signals that they give that try to tell us like, no, stop going down this road. Um, and we ignore them for a long time. Um, or at least I did. I don't want to project onto your very wise people that are listening, but that's what I did for a long time. It took a long time for me to learn to be like, body is very clearly giving you a no and you're trying to override it. This is going to go horribly wrong for you. Oh, I want to talk about that for a second, for sure, because I will never forget <laughs> Like elementary school going through this exercise where I think it was like a dealing with your anger exercise for like fourth graders or something. And they brought up this idea of like, where do you feel anger in your body? Like, what does that feel like to you? And I remember like realizing that I clench my fist and my jaws or my jaw. I guess I just have one or do I? Is it two? Is it a set? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, So I clench my teeth, basically, and I clench my fists. And I'll never forget realizing that and how empowering that was and how, like, even to this day, I know that I'm mad because my jaw is hurting because I'm clenching my teeth and my fingernails are digging into my palms. And I think that whenever you can learn to recognize how your body is affected by any emotion is when you have that connection both to your body, but also it triggers something in your mind to realize what's happening when you may not even realize that you're mad or um, or not enjoying whatever part of the process that you're in at the moment. So I would love to hear from you, like, what are some of those, what are some of those cues or how should you test out to figure out what some of those cues are? So you are ultimately very enlightened, Emily, because you learned that in fourth grade and I learned that when I was 30. <laughs> So yeah, that was when I started. Uh, It's been, it's been a good couple of years. Um, 
So one of the easiest ways I've found is that your body will generally move towards something it wants and away from something it doesn't want. So anytime that you have a yes, no decision and not like a life threatening decision, this is very like, should I have an apple or a banana for breakfast decision? Um, If you're standing and you say, I want banana and your body moves forward, then you want a banana. And if it moves back, then you don't which seems really stupid until you're like in the Whole Foods aisle holding supplements going, my body wants this. No. Okay, my body wants this. No. And I can't tell you how many times I've gotten just what I needed without any sort of using my logic um, with my mind just like, or just tapping into body and body will say like, yeah, this is what you need. Um, So once I used that to buy nettle leaves in the middle of Kenya because my stomach hurt really badly and I had no idea what nettle leaves were. And it turns out they're a digestive aid that helps with stomach problems. So I was, but I was in the middle of Kenya, in the middle of a pharmacy, like, no, no. Yes, okay, we're taking those home. I don't know what those are. I love that. It's a really, really that. simple one. Um, and the other thing is that if you don't label um, whatever it is that you feel in your body as good or bad, if you can just identify it, it often has, there's often a positive and a negative that goes with it. So you might react in just the same way if you find out that, like, Prince is being resurrected from the dead and he's coming to do a concert in your bedroom. Like you might clench your fists and clench your jaw and be like, oh my God, and just scream a little bit, which is exactly the same thing you do if you're really angry, except that it's actually a really positive emotion that's moving through you. So if you can avoid, if you can just give examples like what you did, which is my, my you know, my fists clench and my jaw tightens, um, there's often more than one emotion that it happens for. There's usually a positive and a negative. Interesting. Yeah, I think a lot about the difference between fear and excitement feels very similar to me. And so sometimes, let's say even coming onto a podcast recording, I might have butterflies in my stomach and I could easily translate that to, I don't want to do this. I'm scared. I don't want to do it. Or how can I alchemize that feeling in my body to be the emotion that I want to have, which is excitement and really realizing, oh, that's butterflies in my stomach. I'm really excited to meet someone new and have a conversation. Um, so I'm, I'm super curious about that. And that's exactly kind of what I heard you saying, Kristen, talking about Prince doing a show in your bedroom, you know, like having those same kinds of feelings. And that's where I like to think about being almost a master of my emotions, not not beating them into submission, but realizing that the emotions running through my body that I still have the that I can decide. I can decide if I'm excited or I can decide if I'm afraid to some extent. Obviously, there's a balance. There's some point of listening to your body, like, don't go down the dark alley. If you're not excited to go down the dark alley, just go skipping down because you're going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not the best way to use that. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I'm going to shift topics just a little bit um, because, Kristen, one of the things that you talk about is being bold. You have a magazine called Brave. Am I wrong? Um, fuck yeah magazine with the first episode is brave. Fuck yeah, yeah magazine. Okay. Yeah. But yes. So it had brave across the it top. Does. And I just feel like you have this bold personality. And I think that everyone, I mean, if you have a podcast, you probably have a bold personality. And all of us here do have podcasts. <laughs> so I think it's easy for creatives like us to, you know, be all fuck yeah and tell people to show up and be brave. <laughs> and our hair is probably changing 
every two years. We're probably wearing glitter liner. You know it. But I've been really curious. This is another thing I've been really grappling with lately um, with like the message of authenticity coming up a lot is what about, you know, creatives who are just authentically more quiet or subtle or not rocking pink hair or glitter liner? How would you guide those kinds of creatives to be a little more brave or to show up? Um, I don't think that my pink hair makes me more me, but it is a very accurate expression of what I feel. And so anyone who's sharing a very accurate expression of who they are and what they're feeling is doing a good job. And anyone who is connected to um, their worth and their work in the world without making their work their sole source of worth is is doing it okay. Um, the way that I define brave is to just the ability to turn up the volume on yourself. So if you naturally want to write emo songs and sing them, then the next step might be to share them with other people. And the next step after that might be to sing them at open mic. And so it doesn't mean that you need to change what you're singing. You don't need to change your tune, but you might have to share your tune with more people. Um, that, I love that so much. I feel like that's one of the best descriptions I've ever heard of it is turning up the volume on it yeah so there isn't any right or wrong way but there's only is this yeah. an is this a song you actually want to sing or are you trying to sing someone else's song and if you're trying to sing someone else's song it's never gonna go as well as you had planned yeah and then you're just being loud you know mm-hmm. like I think that people talk a lot about noise and I think that whenever we're experiencing noise it's probably because we're hearing a lot of people just being loud and not necessarily turning up the volume in a way that resonates yeah, because sometimes like Mary Oliver is so loud and I've never, I've heard one interview with Mary Oliver in my whole lifetime. She just writes poems and they're so quiet, but they're so, they're so her and they come from like the source of her way deep down in. And the only way to hear that is the quietly turn up where you are and what you're hearing inside for decades and decades and decades on end. So like loud in terms of volume is not really the same as loud in terms of how deeply connected to yourself you are and how you express that. That's amazing. And I think the world of the internet makes that so much easier now than it has ever been before. And I mean, I obviously don't think that comes as a surprise to anyone listening to this, Um, but you so easily have a platform to reach people and to share what it is that you are here creating or want to share. So I I do love the idea of just do what you do, but actually hit publish or actually (laughs) share it with someone and then share it again and then Uh maybe share it again more personally in a personal email or whatever it may be. I think that there are, there are very easy little steps that you can take in the online world to be, to be more brave with what, whatever it is that you're creating. And that, my friends, is the secret to marketing, even if you know nothing about marketing. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You said something about not putting your worth into your work. Mm -hmm. And creative entrepreneur, I mean, myself personally, I'm sure that you guys have struggled with this too. Whenever you do what you love for a living, it's really hard to find that balance between wrapping up your worth into your work. So speak more on that. I think it's really important for me to be able to discern the difference between um, my value as a human being and whether or not someone bought my book of poetry. Um, Because if I make my worth as a human being, how many poetry books I've sold, I'm always going to be like, dear God, I should just be shot 
because I've, I haven't hit my marks. I haven't hit my targets and I'm not an international number one New York Times bestseller yet. Um, and I, it's always been, especially in the photography community, which is kind of where I came up with Brand Camp, um, people would be like, um, they would say like, I'm not worth it. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 your work may or may not be worth it, but that has nothing to do with you as a human with a soul who's doing things in the world and whether or not that's worth it. Um, to, so just to be able to delineate the two, like being able to delineate between your asshole brain and then the part of your brain that's like good and soft and kind and nice to you in there, there's two different forces at work. And so your work and your worth are two different things and they're often tied, but they don't have to be. And if somebody says, I don't want to work with you, it doesn't mean you're a terrible scum villain of a human who should die right now. Those are, that might be what you hear, but that's not what the person's actually saying at that moment. Um, and that's just a lot of work. That's a lot of rejection and a lot of like, oh, this is, you're saying no to working with me, but you're not saying, no, I hate you, die. You're just saying, I don't have the money right now, or it's not a good time, or I will totally work with you in six months, or my husband says no, and he has control over the finances at this very moment, or I am breastfeeding a child because I had one three months ago and I don't have time for anything right now. There are lots and lots and lots and lots of good reasons to work with you as a human and as a person doing incredible work in the world that have nothing to do with how much your work costs. And when you can delineate those two, you're like, oh, your life gets so much better because it's so much less emotional and tumultuous in there when somebody says no. Right. Your life gets better. And I've also found that business gets better, too. Whenever you can separate the two, you are so much more easily able to make clear, rational decisions around what it is that you're offering and how much it costs and how it is that you're going to sell whenever you have wrapped up your own self-worth into what it is that you're creating and selling, your business tends to be a bit of a hot mess. Yes, and you tend to be horribly underpriced so that everyone can just say yes and that'll make your life easier. Yeah, and then, you know, I I think even about the time whenever I was able to say no to someone, not because I didn't want to work with them, but because I literally was not the best fit for Mm -hmm. them. There was someone else out there that could do the job differently or better or give them what they needed, which was, for example, a website, and I don't do websites. So then being able to say no for someone really feels good. Like, I felt like for me, that was the moment whenever I was like, oh, I don't have to say yes to everything. And not just for money or whatever, but because there might be someone out there who's a better fit. Yeah. Yeah. If my sense is that there's someone who's a better fit, I will 100% recommend them without hesitation. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the creatives who are maybe a little quieter. And one of the things I love that you just said was how your pink hair might be an authentic expression or, you know, kind of aligned with how you feel on the inside. And you're able to express that, accurately express that on the outside. So let's say there's a creative who is wanting to more accurately express who they are in their work or in their personal style or even on their website or even in their content, the blog posts they write or the podcasts they produce or YouTube video. And let's say they want to let their freak flag fly a little bit, whatever that means for them, but maybe they're just a little too freaked out. How can they embrace turning up the volume and bringing that to the work they do? Well, so the first rule isn't that you have to go from one to 12, which is what most people want to do. Like, I'm going to go from wearing all black to wearing just solid colors and looking like just a a vista of pastel explosion. Um, You can go from one to one in a 
quarter and then one to one and a half. Um, I find that it's that consistency is a lot more important than um, than how deep you're willing to go. So if you're willing to turn it up just a quarter of a fraction of a teeny tiny bit every day, it's probably going to go a lot better for you than if you're the person that's like, in six months, I'm going to make the leap and I'm going to jump over the mountain and it's going to be, it's going to be terrible is what it's going to be. <laughs> like it's it's going to go horribly wrong. Um, so if you look at me and think like, oh, she probably went from zero to 17 in like 43 seconds, be like, no, what you're seeing is, is a process that is wild and unfolding magnificently over the course of a decade. So don't ever assume that the people that you see, um, unless they have celebrity stylists, have gone from zero to 12, but it's probably been a very, 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 very slow unfolding. And it's probably, you're always... When you bring your best work to the table, you're always going to be jealous of someone else for the talents that they have that you don't have. Like, you're always going to wish for something different and you're going to have to deal with the fact that you have the talents you have. So freaking deal with it and bring them to the table and keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up. I know it's really boring and terrible. I'm sorry, but keep showing up. I think it's so, it speaks so true to that feeling of, you know, even for example, my house, like I just want it to look the way I want it to look. I have this vision in my mind and I could go out tomorrow and literally buy all the things, but it would then be so out of the box, right? Or just off the rack. It wouldn't really, there wouldn't have been that amount of evolution or growth or personal style that evolves along the way. And I think that really speaks to the journey is where it's at. It's not about the end result. It's not about your end vision because that could even change along the way. And it ends up costing us so much money whenever we think that we want something, we fill our house with it or we fill our wardrobe with it or we completely overhaul our website and then realize, oh, that's not actually what I wanted. <laughs> and there's like no room for error along the way if you're going from one to 12 overnight. If you're going from one to one and a half to two to two and a half, there's room for error. You can make mistakes and it's not devastating. Yeah. And the worst thing that could happen to you is to go from one to 12 for you to be wildly successful and then to find out that actually you you don't like being a 12 or you don't like yourself at 12 or it's terrible up there. Like you you want to go slowly and just past the comfort point at every point. So you don't ever want to be comfortable, but you don't ever want to be so wildly uncomfortable that you fall into the space of just like shutting down and hiding because that doesn't want any good either. This brings up for me the idea of curation and how how you start with a thing, whatever that may be, that could be a product that you want to sell or a service or a really nice couch or whatever it may be. Like you start with a thing and you slowly curate the things around you um, so that you are slowly turning up the volume as opposed to just, you know, buying that Ikea living room just out of the little showroom there or whatever it may be. You, you have so much more control and I think it also gives you so many more opportunities to go back to what we were talking about earlier and checking in with yourself to see if the path that you are taking is the right one for you. Um, you said a second ago, like even growing your business into like taking it from one to 12 and having a huge business. If you check in with yourself at 12 at that point and you've created something that you don't want to do, think about having to fire your team and how awful that would feel to have to do that or to tell all of your clients or customers that you're going to close down and that it's no more because you didn't take the time to 
curate slowly and check in with yourself consistently along the way. I think that's where you get into these like, you know, seriously like horrible case studies of businesses that fail or of people who just go off the deep end or whatever it may be. It's because they like they're turning it up too loud too quickly and finding out that that's not actually who they are either. Yeah, I would say most people have a pretty low volume threshold. Um and then they get scared and just start to repeat what other people say or um, try and find a way to make themselves fit into an existing model. So going anywhere past like a six is a very slow, 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 slow process, I've found, because um, we don't have a whole lot of role models for past six. Not good ones. <laughs> I can think of a whole lot of bad ones right off the cuff. Right. You uh, end up with right. some Britney, some, uh, yeah, you shave your head and whatnot. Like, it's it's not good. So you go very slowly. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And that's also so against, like, industry standard or, like, what is usually expected. Usually, you know, once you get the snowball rolling, the idea is to make it roll quickly. Um, but that also scares the shit out of me. Like, personally, whenever I'm checking in with myself, the idea of a fastly moving snowball in reality or hypothetically is frightening. Um, so I'm much more like the, I guess, the permission to to raise the volume slowly. I love this. I know we talk a lot about expanding our capacities for success and how that works. And so I've always thought of it as an electrical circuit and how you don't want to like overwhelm your circuit board with electricity if you can't handle it, right? And so even thinking about the metaphor of it being volume, you will blow out your speakers in your car if you just go from 1 to 12, right? But if you go slowly, you can get a real loud party going on. Um, (laughs) So I like this idea, too, of slow growth and really using that time to figure out who it is that you want to be, who it is that you really are, and how that shows up in your work and life. So I'm curious, like I feel like we've been talking about the concepts of this, but how does this actually show up for a lot of your clients in their work and their lives? So they're going through the process with you. They're getting in tune with what they actually want. They're, you know, figuring out the station they want to turn up the volume on. How does that actually show up in the daily grind? Um, usually my clients are making stuff and then um, they're like, well, I'm going to share it eventually. <laughs> so it's like a, okay, well, I want to see that on Instagram every day for the next 12 days. Oh, like the noises that come out of people. Um, just, or like, okay, so you have an email list. Yeah. Okay. And it has thousands of people. Yeah. Okay. When was the last time you emailed them? Well, like, I like Christmas or something, you know, like that, those really boring things that mean that you're actually using the channels of communication that you have from people that want to hear from you and you're making new things and showing them and you're selling um, for a while on each product instead of like, well, I put it once on Facebook and it didn't work out. So fuck it. I'm out. Like it just the boring, boring, consistent, consistent, consistent means of doing it. And then there are a couple of common things people do um, like for, on bio pages, if you just have, if you either talk about yourself in the third person or you don't have a photo of yourself or you're hidden behind someone else or behind especially your children, um, the juju on that is like you front and center looking at camera. Come on now. We can do this. 
Um, if you have a physical brick and mortar location or you work in some fashion where you're going to be working p- with people locally, just having your name, address, phone number, email address, easy, simple. Um, there are all sorts of ways to hide. And then if you, if the voice in your head is hurting you, you can just stop listening to it is the other thing. Like at some point we all take on advice from someone who we think is quote unquote better and they say things and then they keep saying those things long after those things serve you. Um, so my goal when I'm podcasting and when I'm coaching is a hundred percent to be the voice in your head. That's like, no, fuck that. Don't do that. Don't do that ever again. That's bad. You're hurting yourself. That's terrible. Please don't do that. Um, and then instead of having that other voice to listen to your own voice, what is it that you would like to do? I know you would like to have Cheetos and you would like to never go outside again because the world is scary. Yes. Let's assume that, um, someone's going to see you today and they're going to see who do you want them to see and what do you want them to feel when they see it? Um, cause you probably don't want them to see like perfection porn and look how perfect my life is. And, oh my God, I'm awesome. There's probably something softer and more tender in there. And if you can express that softness and that tenderness via whatever it is that you do in business, you're going to be a whole lot better off. So it's about bringing your vulnerabilities and your tenderness and the parts that you would rather hide to your business and to your life and to your sales process and to your marketing every day, day in and day out, month after month, year after year despite the fact that it's a long, slow slog through time. That's how it is. Pretty much. I'm feeling that. Jesus hands over here. I so fucking agree with everything that you just said, and I'm going to not tear up because that was really fantastic. You can tear up. (laughs) No, I'm good. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm really good. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I agree with that. What about that especially resonates, Emily? Well, just with working with artists basically for so long. I mean, I feel like being boss has attracted a lot of B2B people, which I think is well. And I think specifically of the clubhouse people who are joining our clubhouse. We do have a lot of makers and things, but I feel a lot lately that we've been working with a lot of uh, B2B people, which is fine, but it really brought up for me. And B2B for those of you who don't know what that means, means business to business. So examples of that might be um, if you're selling your services specifically to hospitals, for example, like business to business. Yes. And that requires a little more hardness, I think, which is something that I feel like I've adopted a lot lately. I sell obviously B2B, um, but it brings back up for me my prior life with working just with artists and makers and how so what you were saying a minute ago about like an about page. If I could count the number of conversations I've had with makers where I'm telling them they have to have a photo of themselves on their website so that people can see they're real people and that there's actually someone making this beautiful thing and that creates a connection that makes people want to buy and trust you and know that you're beautiful and all of these things. Um, that's such a real conversation that I've had so many times because artists tend to have such a problem with putting themselves out there in line with their work. They're fine with putting their work out there in most cases, but putting themselves out there with it is a whole other story. And I know that a lot of people who are probably listening to this and not joining the clubhouse, um, so we're not able to have those one-on-one conversations, are probably totally feeling this if you are my kind of people. So um, I'm just glad that that has been said out loud. (laughs) You know, and it's funny because we talk a lot about giving it all away. That's one of our philosophy that drives. I mean, it's how our podcast came about anyway, is that Emily and I were having these business bestie conversations and we're like, why not record these and put them out for the world to hear? And so 
one of the things that we talk about a lot is giving it all away for free. Everything we know about branding and online marketing and building a business that you love, we're talking about it all the time here on the podcast, but we get a lot of questions from makers and artists who ask, how do I give it all away for free if I have a product? Like I can't be sending everybody a bracelet or a painting. And we always say, no, but you can be sharing your story. And that's how you're giving it all away is that you're talking about what drove you to make that bracelet or to paint that painting. So I think that there's so much to that. Telling your story, showing your face, being who you are, making the thing and selling it by simply sharing the story behind how it came about to be. I agree. And I have a really great example of someone who does this. It's actually someone that we've had on the podcast before, Brenda Mangalore. Bray did the branding, Indy did her website. So like just all kinds of magnificent threesome happening there. Um, and Brenda is fantastic and is one of those like really great artists who also totally understands how to sell herself in a way that I've always admired. Whenever she came to me to do um, to do her website, I had to work with Brenda because she was one of those like unicorns who just got it. It was so great. And she does um, she does a regular newsletter that's just updating the people on her list. What is going on in the studio? What painting she's working for or working on? Um, or she shares cute photos of her and her daughter. And you don't even have to go that far into the sharing spectrum. But it's very open about her process and what's inspiring her and what sort of events she's doing. And that intrigues people and it makes people interested and connected to her. And so for me, even like I've talked to her many times, but still getting these newsletters, I consistently stay so connected to her work because she's simply telling me about her work. So just great example of someone who is totally doing it where she has a product and what she is giving away as her sources of inspiration. And I think these days we are all hungry, I think, for more sources of genuine inspiration for making and doing beautiful things. <laughs> Got the shoulder shimmy. <laughs> Let's all just sit with that one for a second. So Kristen, what a piece of advice would you give to one of our listeners who's wanting to be more boss by showing up as they are every single day in their business and maybe even not just every day, but in their long-term vision for what they want to create? Um, it's okay to be too much. Because somebody somewhere along the line said that you're too much of something. You're too soft. You're too sensitive. You're too bright. You're too happy. I get that one. Um, and you can never know about people what they've experienced. But you can know that anyone who's willing to be too much has had to fight to be too much. Um, that it's a really vulnerable position to be in. Um, that the reason I smile at kids and laugh at dogs is because I've, you know, I've spent years dealing with clinical depression. And so any day that I can wake up and not feel like I want to hurt myself or kill myself is a day in which I am happy. And if you're like, well, you're too happy, then I'm like, well, you're too um, much of an asshole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like just, um, just be willing to be too much of something um, because when you're too much of something in your opinion, you're probably just the right amount of it in other people's opinions and in the opinions of the people who desperately need to hear from you or see what you have to offer or what you have to make. Um, so if you're willing to go all the way down in there and be too much of something, 
awesome. Keep going. It'll be great. I love it. I know that's where the magic lives in the too much and really great brands. Yes, always. Right? Oh, (laughs) like one of the things that I love about that is people who attach themselves or attach their brands to colors. Like that I think is a perfect example of someone who like will only design shit with orange or pink (laughs) or purple or whatever. Like that's a perfect example of like too much, but totally works. Those brands tend to do fairly well, I find. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because you're going to push people away, but you're also going to alchemize the people that you need right to you. Um, I find that I don't ha- get that much hate mail because people tend to unfollow, unsubscribe, or give up on me way before they give me their email address. So I think that's part of the part of the danger of being like not too much, being quote unquote safe. There's so many air quotes for those of you listening because you can't see me. Um, part of the danger is that you might get lots of people that think that they're your people, and then when you actually do turn it up like half an inch or half a, di- a dial, um, they're going to go screaming because they didn't get what they thought they were getting. They kind of made that up because you were boring. Um, whereas if you're too much right from the start, then they just run away, and it's so much better. So so make people run away because it's awesome on the other side of that, I promise. I feel like I want that to be my tagline, making people run away since 1986. Yes. <laughs> yes, totally. Absolutely. I'd support that. I would support that. Yeah. Kristen, what makes you feel most boss? Oh, man, those emails when people are like, I did this and 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 I I think I'm going to throw up a little bit, but thank you. All those, um, it's always, always the the people that have gone further than they think they could go because of something that I said or something that um, I mentioned somewhere. And I was like, oh, that's silly. I don't even know why I'm talking about that. That was stupid. And then years, and it's usually years later, people will come to me and be like, just so you know, this changed everything. And I'm like, A, thank you. And B, why didn't you tell me sooner? (laughs) (laughs) Always, always, yeah. You know, that makes me think a little bit about how we show up and we hit publish and we're super consistent with that. But something happened, especially in blogging, where the conversation stopped. I feel like things are moving so fast that people stop sending those kinds of emails. And so I try and make it a practice every month to go in and do a batch of podcast reviews, of book reviews, of leaving someone a comment on their Instagram rather than just liking it and letting them know what a difference they've made in my work and in my life. So I think that there is this conversation that happens um, because those emails are going to make somebody's day. And so if you're if you have been affected by someone's work, shoot them an email and let them know because positively if it's negatively negatively keep your trap shut. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no one wants to hear that shit. But otherwise, please spread the love. <laughs> yes. But it's easy it's easy to forget to do that as content producers, you know, and people who are churning it out and writing and podcasting and all that stuff, it's easy to forget like, oh yeah, there are people who greatly impact my work and they might like to hear a thank you letter even as big as they are you know like they might it might seem like someone who is such a big deal they would never care about your thank you note um but they They totally care and introverts especially because they don't want to bother anyone quote unquote like you can thank you notes are never bothering as a rule just never ever ever you can always send a thank you note or a kind word always 
Kristen, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Where can our listeners find more of you? You can find me at kristenkalf.com, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-K-A-L-P.com. That's where I hang. This episode of Being Boss was brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Thank you to FreshBooks for sponsoring us, and you guys can try it for free by going to freshbooks.com slash boss. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club. If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or a small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a two-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club clubhouse. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brain. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our Bean counter, David Austin, with support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.